Welcome in, everybody, to this edition of the Hop on the Bus podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Lakers talk. My name is Ryan Williams, and I'm joined by Mr. Grant Dowling. Grant, how are we doing this week? Doing great, Ryan. The Lakers are back in the finals, and I'm happy. How about you? Uh, I couldn't be more ecstatic, and I actually called my my dad after uh, the Game Five win over Denver, and he said, "Hey, you know what? The you know you know when uh, who was at the last game of uh, of Game Seven? Or excuse, excuse me, who was at the last Lakers Finals appearance, Game Seven in 2010? And uh, it's hard to believe I was there. I was there at Game mm-hmm. Seven in 2010. What's it uh, like? Uh, like ten years later, how, how does it feel? Uh, it feels pretty solid from my couch. I can't, I can't lie. Uh, you know, obviously game seven of 2010 is one of those moments that I'm going to hold in my heart forever. Uh, Mm -hmm. as somebody goes by blasting a crotch rocket. Um, but, uh, I, I, those, that's one of those games that I don't think, you know, I'll ever forget easily never forget. And, uh, you know, that atmosphere in Staples center is something I, I miss and crave out of, out of the sport of basketball in the NBA. But, uh, for for us to for us to have lived in LA during that time, including your well, maybe not yourself, but um, to to have been a Lakers fan in that time and and gone through that era, and now see it come full circle after a season where we dumped our entire we pardon me the Lakers dumped <laughs> their entire young core uh, to to get Anthony Davis, and everybody was talking talking all that trash. Uh, it feels pretty darn good, Grant. How about yourself? Yeah, it feels great. Um, you brought up the Staples Center atmosphere from Game 7, and I can only imagine what that felt like in person, but uh, I can't help but mention that we were really robbed of uh, this playoff run happening in Staples and uh, you know, at least half of those games being in Staples. and It would have been uh, quite a magical environment, uh, without a doubt. Um, just, just with all the Lakers fans and 10 years, the seven worst years in franchise history. And obviously, uh, with this, with this push to, uh, towards the title, um, in, in Kobe's name almost because, uh, you know, LeBron and AD, they all, they both get what it is and what it means to be Lakers. So, um, I think, you know, that's the only thing that's really kind of spoiling this experience for me is that. Man, I really wish uh, you know the crowd could have been there in person to see this amazing run. Yeah, no, absolutely, and uh, and and it, it really is. I mean, it's 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 interesting to see um, how this season played out, minus all of that, uh, you know, that atmosphere, that home court advantage, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, what what could have happened in the Milwaukee Bucks Miami Heat series? if there would have been home court advantage. I mean, there's so many questions to be, to bring up, uh, Grant, do you want to, do you want to touch on any of those now that we're reaching the end of this bubble experience? Um, well, I mean, it's just kind of wild to consider that this is like the first series or first finals, I guess, first playoffs. you, You could even say, uh, without any home court advantage, um, you, you might be able to like pick out two or three, final series in NBA history where the away team or the the team with the worst record um, maybe uh, outnumbered the home team's opponents um, but uh, you know I, I'm we're, we're relatively young uh, when compared to the NBA so maybe we don't have the recollection back to the 90s 80s or 70s about 
home court advantage and how much that played a factor. But um, I mean, this is this is the one exception uh, that you know we can say without a doubt. There's no home court advantage, so this is going to be a really it's it's been a wild playoffs and kind of a just a you know out of just a just a really odd experience. But um, I you know I can't imagine what it's like for the players without any crowds and just uh, and I'm sure it's it helps playing in front of your their families and everything. But um, I mean, I guess the Lakers didn't need home court advantage. They're 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 coming into this final series twelve and three, and so are the Heat. So yeah, seriously. And with that, you know, let's jump into what happened in the Denver series to start us off. Uh, Grant, we'll get your thoughts, and then we'll move into this uh, this final series. Yeah. So if you remember um, last podcast, I think it was after Game One or Game Two of the Denver series. Um, I think I originally said I would take the Lakers in six because I knew the Lakers were going to win the series, but. I had, I predicted Lakers in five in the first two series, so I chose six just because I wanted to give Denver Denver more respect and more credit than the Rockets or Blazers because we, at that point we'd had already seen how dangerous they can be when down in a series. Um, but fortunately for the Lakers, it felt like you know all those games, the fact that they had to play fourteen games in the first two rounds, finally caught up to them because. In that game five, when you know they're down three three one, they made that really strong push in the third quarter that they had made uh, three consecutive times against the Clippers, and um, I mean I can't remember specifically against the Jazz in the first round, but that that push was there, but it wasn't like to the full effect that we had seen the last series. Um, Jamal Murray was also clearly battling an injury in game five. Uh, you know, the Lakers did a great job attacking Jokic early on in game five to get him in foul trouble the whole time. So he never really got into a rhythm. Um, so I think, you know, they, they did a great job just attacking the Nuggets and not giving them any like real semblance of hope. You know, they, they lost uh, game three, I guess. And, um, you know, it becomes a two, one series and then the Lakers win the next game. And it's 3-1, and, you know, any other situation, everyone, you know, any team is like, okay, this series is over, it's 3-1, but it's Denver, and they've already come back from down 3-1 twice. So um, I think the Lakers just did a great job stepping on their necks and not giving them any real opening to to think or feel like, feel confident in the idea of them coming back and actually winning this series. Um, and the other thing I do want to note, uh, just from the Denver series specifically, um, but also speaks to how good uh, Frank Vogel has been this, uh, these playoffs. You know, we've we've had our criticisms here and there. Like, I, I think most Laker fans are very happy with Frank Vogel in his first season as, a, as the Lakers head coach. But uh, he, we, we uh, fans have had a lot of criticisms and maybe reservations about Vogel's rotations and his uh, changes, his adjustments. Um, but in that Denver series, um, he did, you know, he, he gave JaVale a fair chance starting him in the first two games, but I, it became very clear to me quickly that uh, Jokic's uh, low center of gravity, it was just too much for JaVale, and JaVale's just getting pushed around too much. So I really like that Vogel uh, gave him a chance and then committed to starting Dwight from game three and on. And after, after even after game one, I tweeted that, 
uh, Jokic did not want to see 15 plus minutes of Dwight every game because Dwight was running the floor, barking at him the whole time, banging down low on the boards on every shot. And Jokic just has to work harder to back down Dwight or get around him than if he was matched up against McGee. So by the second half of that series, I, I thought Jokic was pretty clearly gassed. And he even went scoreless in the fourth quarters of game three and four. So uh, I think Vogel's done a great job. Uh, not not panic adjusting because he did give JaVale that extra chance in game two. But, um, you know, when it's clear that a change needs to be made and can um, give the give his team a clear advantage, then he'll do it. And he's not afraid to do it. And that's a good thing headed into the finals. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the most telling things out of the Denver series, and, and this was something that really piqued my interest, was uh, that, that should have been at least a six-game series. Denver should have been up two to one after three games. I mean, you go down that list, uh, it's it's just not – they should not have won game two. They didn't deserve to win game two. Anthony Davis had a miraculous shot to send that game – to Very send true. them to a 2-0 lead. Uh, mm-hmm. And then just a smackdown loss in Game Three, regardless of a late run from the Lakers, it, it was it should have been a two-one series in favor of Denver after three games. And so, obviously, you're going to take that if you're Frank Vogel and the Lakers, or if you're LeBron James. Of course, I took it. Uh, a win is a win, but uh, I think that that needs to open some eyes about not necessarily thinking less of a team because I don't know if they if they think less of the heat or if they thought less of Denver but uh, not allowing like once, once you have that foot on the throat you, you you put that that foot through you know you put that pedal to the metal you don't stop they're up 16 plus they're up almost 20 and then come back to have to hit a three-pointer at the buzzer to win it that's not that's not gonna that's not gonna kick it in the finals. That's, that's not how that's going to work in the NBA finals. So uh, I think they need to step up on that. As for Dwight Howard, I love the way he's been playing a little bit more worried about a matchup with him on the smaller, not smaller, but skinnier, faster Bam Adebayo. Um, and, and also I think that Dwight Howard needs to take a chill pill and realize that, you know, he's, <laughs> he, he can't be taking these technical fouls as often as he is. Obviously he's in there for a reason. He's in there to punk, you know, or, or to, to rebound and, and, and play well. But, uh, you know, quit that talking and, and, and stick to the basketball, which is something that Frank Vogel echoed to him, according to some of those ESPN sideline reporters. Uh, so so I'm happy to hear that, that he really, Vogel really took uh, Dwight Howard into the back and said, hey, you know, we we need you to play basketball. You know, you're not out here getting paid to, to jibber-jabber at, at, at Jokic or Murray or any of those guys. Like, go, go out there and play some basketball and do what you can do. And He's playing some of the best basketball he's played probably since, you know, young Dwight Howard in Orlando, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, that offensive spurt he had in one of those games, I think he had eight easy buckets in that that first run that he had right off the bench. Or not off the bench, but off uh, from the tip. I mean, that, that's what you need out of him. Eight, eight points, eight rebounds in that first quarter, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, that's, that is golden. If you can get that out of Dwight Howard, I mean, you're, you're not going to lose a lot of games. And so I'm excited to see what goes on moving forward. I am a little worried about the post matchups, uh, but uh, going into this heat series in terms of BAM, uh, but, but we'll get into that next and, and, and kind of transitioning into that topic, Grant. 
let's talk a little bit about this finals matchups and what what you see, what what you're really pinpointing in on, what what interests you, uh, maybe what what uh, what concerns you have, that kind of stuff. Obviously, with game one rapidly approaching here on this Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, well, first, um, I'm I'm gonna echo your sentiments about Dwight and uh, AD and JaVale and that whole big man group and how they're going to match up with Miami and vice versa. But first off, um, the storylines that I think we're all clearly excited for is just Lakers versus Pat Riley. Uh, as you know, we're, we've been Lakers fans since we can remember. So we know our franchise history and we just have automatic respect for Pat Riley and his success with Magic and Kareem before he found success elsewhere with the Knicks and the Heat. Um, obviously we have Braun versus the franchise where he won first against the coach that he won with first. And, um, I also want to see, you know, how Andre Iguodala and LeBron James are going to go at each other one-on-one because, um, I'm, you know, I'm not sure if Braun or anybody else really thinks Andre Iguodala deserved that finals MVP against him in, uh, 2015, but, uh, he did get it even though Braun was averaging like over 38 and eight or something crazy like that. Um, but again, my question about this series and what's really, uh, probably the key is how the big men on each side are going to match up. And the way I see it is that it's, it's the the Lakers are going to have to find some happy medium between how they play the Rockets and the Nuggets, because the Nuggets didn't run with two big men out there. Really? I mean, I think Jeremy Grant's more of a wing instead of a true four. Millsap, okay, yeah, that's true. Um, but again, like Millsap's undersized as well. So like I don't it's gonna be I, I, I can't see how my how Miami is gonna match up if the Lakers choose to start a center next to AD, whether that's Dwight or JaVale, because if Bam starts on Dwight, then who's guarding AD? Is it gonna be Crowder? Is it gonna be Butler? Because that's just a total mismatch and they're completely undersized. And then if Bam is on AD, then there's nobody that can keep Dwight out of the paint at all. So I think this plays to the Lakers' strengths. They've been a paint-dominant team all season. Um, But on the flip side of that, it's also like if AD isn't guarding Bam and isn't matched with Bam most of the game or most of the time that AD is out there, I I don't see who the Lakers, I guess the Lakers are going to have to split and platoon time between Dwight and JaVale if they want to. Like Dwight is a, you know, he's a very athletic, strong, can move his feet type of player, but he, Bam, Bam just has the versatility and the, uh, the agility to get around him and probably frustrate Dwight. If I'm being honest, he can, he can really probably get Dwight into some foul trouble quickly. And the other thing is like McGee, he's quick enough to keep up with Bam but he's definitely not as skilled as Bam at all. So I, I you know, at, at that kind, that's a bit of a uh, cause of for concern for me. But at the end of the day, we we have Anthony Davis, who uh, was second in Defensive Player of the Year voting. So I think uh, I think they'll be okay there. I, I I agree with you on that that big man option down low. That's my biggest uh, concern, my biggest qualm that I have going into this series. Uh, you got to say, obviously, Anthony Davis and Bam Adebayo are are similar 
body type, similar in terms of quickness, athleticism, all of the above. Uh, if they want to play Dwight Howard in this series, it's going to be tough. Uh, I, I think JaVale McGee might have the upper hand strictly based on his length. Uh, but I do like the mentality of Dwight Howard over JaVale. So it's going to be a tough one. I think that this game one is going to be a, a feel-out series, or excuse me, a feel-out game most definitely. Uh, another thing that I'm thinking here is uh, this This reminds me a lot of uh, Portland. This reminds me a lot of Houston. This reminds me a lot of Denver. If you take out the two best players on the floor, which in this case I think are, are either Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo or, or Jimmy Butler and, and Tyler Hero, I mean, if you take out those players, there's not a whole lot. That, that the Heat have going for him behind that. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to have Duncan Robinson, Myers Leonard, Kendrick Nunn, Kelly Olenek beat me if I'm the Lakers. I, that, that is my one thought process. That Do not I'm forget about Tyler Hero. Yeah, and obviously don't forget about Hero because he's having a breakout playoffs. But I'm willing to have the, the B-level, you know, the, the secondary cast of the Heat beat me. Uh, obviously, yeah. Jimmy Butler's got to be your number one focus. Bam Adebayo has been playing his tail off. I'm looking at the season series. The, they, they played each other twice in the regular season. Lakers won both games. I'm looking at uh, the first game was a 113 to 110. Or excuse me, that's the second game. Second game was 113 to 110 in favor of the Lakers. Uh, Anthony Davis had 33 points. LeBron James, 28 points with 12 assists and 9 rebounds. I mean, JaVale McGee, 9 points, 10 rebounds, plus 11. I I, I think that the biggest matchup problem, as mentioned, is going to be Bam Adebayo uh, and his breakout playoffs. It it reminds me a lot, though, in terms of the three-point shooting uh, of Houston. They, They got a lot of people who can shoot the three. And the Lakers seem to adjust pretty well to it. Uh, obviously, a game one loss uh, was was where the adjustment came from, but you know we'll see where that goes moving forward. Look at I'm looking at both these stat lines. I mean, Bam Adebayo, uh, 12 points and 12 rebounds in the second game of the season series, 11 points and nine rebounds in the first game. I mean, you know if you can limit him to 11 points, 12 points, and make him. Uh, designate him to that kind of scoring, you'll be fine. Jimmy Butler, I mean, he didn't he didn't go off on the Lakers in the first game. Second game, you know, I mean, we're talking 20, 20 points each game, which is regular for him. I mean, he's an all-star caliber player. That's regular for him. So um, given how the Lakers have played them in the past, it looks good. Um, but I, I am definitely more worried about that that post matchup more than anything. I think they're going to run a lot of their offense through the post and then look to distribute from there uh, because that's where they know they have the the best matchup, in my opinion. No, for sure. I think they play to their strengths by playing inside out. And because, um, you know, they, they, they play through Bam a lot. He's an excellent passer for how young he is in the league for for his size and his role and everything. It's it's going to be it's going to be a similar uh, for at least the one-on-one matchup, I think it's going to be similar how they defended Jokic because the Nuggets ran a lot of their offense through Jokic as well for very similar reasons. They, you know, they might they might have different play styles and speeds and strengths, but uh, the way the the skill set that Bam and Jokic have is it, it, quite similar if you really look at 
both of their games in terms of their passing, their shooting, their versatility, and uh, their quick moves and everything. I think uh, you you brought up their matchups before or earlier this season, even though the season's been God long. uh, I think these two teams are completely two different teams since they last met. So unfortunately, I don't I don't put much stock into their first two meetings because they were before Christmas. I mean, that, that was ages ago. Uh, Markeith Morris wasn't on this team. Andre Iguodala wasn't on Miami. Um, I think uh, Tyler Hero is a completely different player these uh, today than he was eight months ago. And I and, um, and I, I, I totally forgot to mention Goran Dragic. Yeah, Dragic. Like, yeah, back then Kendrick Nunn was starting, and he was he was decent and doing all right, but. Uh, he caught he caught the coronavirus and just hasn't like earned seemed to have earned any real playing time since because Dragic has just taken over that starting spot ever since the bubble started and I mean he hasn't looked back at all so I think uh, you know this, these two teams are just uh, different modes and the biggest thing of all which I'm like probably most excited for just uh, between how these two teams play these are two of the very best defensive teams in the league the La- we know the Lakers have been this all season. You know, uh, there there have been offensive lapses, uh, even in this very postseason. Uh, I would say game one against the Rockets and game one against the Blazers, where they just look so stagnant, look lost, waiting for somebody else to make a play. But their defense was was there, even though their effort may not have been there. But their defense, they had the fundamental the fundamentals there for them that they could just fall back and rely on. So I think you know the Heat and the the Lakers. This is going to be a really grinded out series. Um, and because we've already we're on the same page that the Heat are going to play inside out from Bam, and they got a bunch of shooters running around doing their going off down screens and everything. They do a great job getting them open, getting them good looks. I think the Lakers perimeter guards have to really show up defensively this series because I think we can rely on AD. I think we can rely on Dwight to to hit the boards and everything to protect the rim. But yeah. playing inside out, you got Hero, Robinson, and Crowder who have all been like lights out from three as far as I'm concerned this postseason. So we're going to need KCP, Green, and Caruso, and especially Rondo to step up. And uh, just, just it, it's not even going to be like one-on-one defense mostly until obviously the very end, but they're just going to have to keep up sprinting the whole game, following them the whole game around. It's like it's like chasing Steph Curry for 48 minutes, you know? They're just going to have to keep up and, um, you know, grind it out, put their, put their head down. And, and that's where I see that relation to that Houston series and a similar mindset is that those are the guys that you're willing to run them off the three and, and have them take a half step in or hesitate just that little more mm-hmm. and put that trust in your help side defense and guys like JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis, which they've done series in and series out. I yep. One other thing I wanted to mention before we jump off here and, and, and get ready to, uh, to uh, have a good night and, and watch game one is that while, while this team does have a lot of inexperience in guys like Bam and Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn, uh, Derek Jones Jr. even, right? I mean, they have guys who have a lot of playoff experience, right? Myers Leonard, obviously a guy who's been on the bench, uh, not played a whole lot of minutes, but uh, was on those those Portland teams, right? Obviously getting knocked out a lot, but playoff experience nonetheless. Andre Iguodala a guy who has maybe the most playoff experience out of anybody in the NBA right now besides 
possibly LeBron James. I mean, a guy who who has the most finals experience, maybe. Um, uh, Kelly Olynyk, a guy who was in Boston going to many finals. Jay Crowder, a guy who's played, again, Boston, Atlanta. Uh, you talk about those. Jimmy Butler. Uh, Goran Dragic might not have been in the playoffs, but a guy who's got a ton of experience. So, yes, they have that inexperience in certain players, but I think they really have a good mesh of, of young and old. Uh, and I'm really excited to see how this game one pans out. So, Grant, any any final thoughts? No, just excited, man. Bring home number 17. Fingers crossed. And uh, and with number 17, you know where that puts us over that wretched team in New England. So uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, keep keep the Lakers in our thoughts tonight as we're hanging out on the couch with our jerseys on. And uh, I'm going to be wearing my lucky LeBron jersey, Grant. I got to tell you this. The, the, the last <laughs> first three series, listen to this. I wore my LeBron jersey in every single game except for the three losses that the Lakers had. Oh, okay. So, so well, here's I the thing. So you, you're going to wear your jersey tonight is what you're saying, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Okay, here's the thing because I, I, I wasn't going to mention this, but now that we have, now we've got around to it, LeBron in his career is 1-8 in game ones of the finals. So uh, he's done it before, but it feels like something's going to have to give here between – your uh, undefeated streak and bronze one and eight start. Well, I'm I'm willing to bet on bronze one and eight start, uh, and and it, that it's not my jersey. So we'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, I'll be rocking the brawny jersey, the purple and gold tonight. Grant, I know you'll be doing the same. Uh, yes, let's uh, let's send some good thoughts out to Laker Nation in the bubble, uh, and and everybody out there enjoy this one. Uh, we've been waiting long enough. The time has come. Uh, Laker fans, rejoice. We have some finals basketball, and let's just uh, say a prayer that it ends up being a good one for the Lakers. Uh, as for that, for Grant Dowling, I'm Ryan Williams. Uh, thanks for tuning into the Hop on the Bus podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe. Uh, if you hear, uh, if you like what you hear, uh, like and subscribe. But other than that, uh, enjoy game one, tip off, uh, 6 o'clock Pacific, 7 o'clock Mountain, 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock if you're somewhere in between. Uh, enjoy it, Lakers versus Heat tonight.